From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Coolass. This is 7am. As Scott Morrison tried to shift Australia's focus to the drought and interest rates fell below 1%, Donald Trump's paranoia followed the Prime Minister home from America. Paul Bongiorno on the week Alexander Downer became a Clinton spy and the phone call that might haunt the lodge. All right, when you're ready, I'm ready. Great. So Paul Scott Morrison is back from his first trip to the US as Prime Minister. Yes, he's back. He had a very warm time with uh, Donald Trump, but there were some tense moments, uh, as you'd expect, with the mercurial and unpredictable Donald Trump. Paul Bongiorno is a columnist for the Saturday paper. He got caught in the middle of a press conference in the Oval Office where Trump started threatening military action in Iran. In fact, it was more than military action. He started talking about a refurbished nuclear arsenal. Uh, He knows what nuclear is all about, but uh, it'll be very easy to do. But when I was running, everybody said, oh, he's going to get into war. He's going to get into war. He's going to blow everybody up. He's going to get into war. Well... The easiest thing I could do, in fact, I could do it while you're here, would say, go ahead, fellas, go do it. And that would be a very bad day for Iran. And then a day later, he got caught up in a re-elect Trump rally in Ohio, the the prime minister, that is. Uh, He went with Trump to open a factory uh, that an Australian entrepreneur, Anthony Pratt, owns, and it's into recycled boxes. But really, the Trump people had made sure that that opening became a Trump rally. You like better made in the USA or made in America? What do you like? Made in the USA? Go ahead. Made in the USA. There were plenty of uh, Trump red baseball caps in the crowd. And in fact, some of the pictures showed there were more than one or two white nationalists who think that Trump's a bit of a hero. Really, Morrison got a bit carried away here because he, as it were, aped the Trump campaign slogan from last time. We're making jobs great again. Cheers. (laughs) But journalists, you know, who followed... The Prime Minister on his US odyssey say by the end of the last week, Morrison was giving every indication he couldn't wait to escape the Trump bubble. But Trump also followed Morrison home. That's right. Morrison's office confirmed this week that the Prime Minister had received a call from Donald Trump on Thursday, September 5. That's two weeks before the Prime Minister was due to go on his scheduled trip to America. And in that call, the Prime Minister agreed to assist the Justice Department and the American Attorney General, William Barr, with his inquiry into the origins of the Mueller report. And that report, of course, looked into Russian influence in the US 2016 presidential election. So in Trump's sights is the former High Commissioner, Australian High Commissioner to the United Kingdom, Alexander Downer. Trump accuses Downer of passing onto Canberra the boast of Trump aide George Papadopoulos that they had Russian-supplied dirt on Democrat candidate Hillary Clinton. Now, as a Five Eyes intelligence partner, Canberra passed that on to Washington, which triggered an FBI investigation. Well, Trump sees it all as a political plot 
to damage him. And in fact, Trump seems to believe what Papadopoulos says, that Alexander Downer, former Conservative <laughs> Member of Parliament, you might remember, was a spy for the very moderate liberal Clintons. Anyway, George Papadopoulos gave an interview this week praising Morrison for his cooperation. Papadopoulos, in fact, has already served 12 days in a US federal prison for lying to the FBI on matters relating to the investigation and said he, that is Papadopoulos, had reported down to authorities for spying on him. In a Sky interview midweek, Morrison threw almost no light on what he described as his brief Trump-initiated conversation. The US president called you two weeks before your state visit to Washington. What did he ask for? Well, let's just start at the beginning. He tried to say there was nothing extraordinary in the president calling for a point of contact in the Australian government. The whole unbelievable tone was there's nothing to see here. Did he he use the phrase favour? No, not that I recall at all. So he's just asking for someone that his Justice Department can contact. Yes. How damaging is this for Morrison, do you think? Well, look, it's hard to gauge that for a couple of reasons. There was a Guardian Australia poll today which showed that most Australians think that it's good for an Australian Prime Minister to have good relations with the US President, no matter who that President is. But on the other hand, Trump is extremely unpopular in Australia with Australians As Bill Shorten said, Morrison appeared to look like a lapdog of Trump. Now, if that stuck, I don't think it would do Morrison any good at all. It all seems like a little bit of a mess, Paul. Well, the Prime Ministers do their best to hide it, but the fact is government is mostly flying by the seat of your pants. And this is particularly true for the Morrison administration now into its sixth month after its surprise election win. I think it's scrambling to convince the nation it really knows what it's about and how it'll achieve it. We'll be right back. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. This year, The Saturday Paper celebrates 10 years as Australia's leading independent newspaper. In that time, it's built a peerless reputation for quality journalism, for telling stories that are ignored elsewhere, It's the essential account of the week in politics, culture and news. When you read the Saturday paper, you don't need to read anything else. Subscribe today from just $2.10 per week. Visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash subscribe. The Saturday paper, the whole story. Prime Minister, good afternoon to you. Stateside to the countryside, you must be exhausted, but our, our farmers are doing it pretty tough, aren't they? Well, they are up here in Dolby and right across the country. But you're right, in New York yesterday, or what seemed like yesterday, and Dolby today. Um, but, uh, Paul Scott Morrison got back to Australia from the US and he almost immediately flew to Darling Downs. What was he up to there? Well, Morrison is keen to ensure that Australians, everyday Australians, are his focus. In fact, on the last uh, press conference he gave in New York, he said that people hit by the drought were, in fact, his first priority. 
He said that as soon as he gets back to Sydney, he'll be off the ground again, getting into drought-affected communities in Australia. In fact, he didn't leave Mascot Airport. He got out of Shark One into a smaller jet and went up to the parched Darling Downs. And what's happening there? That that used to be quite a lush area of the country and now it's been heavily affected by the drought. Well, that's true. Darling, the Darling Downs was once uh, lush and it's now something of a dust bowl due to the drought. Once there, in trademark fashion, the Prime Minister spoke of the $7 billion for drought relief he's already announced and unveiled another $100 million on top of that. Now, look, there are problems with those figures. As far as Joel Fitzgibbon, the shadow minister from the Labor Party, says about $5 billion of it is the future drought fund. Now, that doesn't start until July next year, and not one cent of it goes directly to farmers. It goes to things like farming techniques and research. According to Labor, the other $2 billion is arrived at by counting money earmarked for concessional loans. Not exactly the sort of relief farmers need, because... Many of them, most of them, haven't pulled an income for several years and there are no prospects of doing so for who knows how long. So Labor's calling on the Auditor-General to take a close look at the millions the government is spending or says it is. Joel Fitzgibbon, the Shadow Minister, is convinced much of it is an ad hoc shambles and that it's pork-barrelling coalition electorates and ignoring Labor ones. Albanese was also touring drought-stricken areas of Queensland this week. What was he saying? Yes, uh, well, uh, Albanese heard that the uh, Treasurer and uh, David Littleproud, the Water Resources Minister, were going to be doing a three-day drought pilgrimage. So he claimed that he was invited to go to Stanthorpe, which is a town in southern Queensland running out of water. And there he pointed out that the government has had a drought task force, a drought coordinator, a drought envoy and a drought summit. With all of those, uh, we asked in Parliament last week, Joel Fitzgibbon, to table those reports and uh, the government has refused to do so. Uh, one wonders whether they exist or not and whether it was just a title to give Barnaby Joyce, for example, as a drought envoy to travel around and campaign in marginal electorates. Uh, all of everything's on the menu at the moment. Senator Bridget McKenzie, welcome to the studio. Fantastic to be with you, Warwick. Now, Agriculture Minister Bridget McKenzie assured ABC Radio that she's working on it. And look, I find this a disarmingly frank admission from a government now into its seventh year. And in fact, Bridget McKenzie said she was waiting for the National Farmers Federation to provide its view before the government announced a plan. The National Farmers Federation's not too impressed. It says the country doesn't have a wide strategic drought policy. Now, one of the first things the Abbott government did in 2013 was to tear up the historic intergovernmental agreement that was being steered through the Council of Australian Governments. This had the support of the farmers of Liberal and Labor state governments, and at that stage, of course, a Labor federal government. Well, Abbott ditched it. And according to Labor, that's lost us literally six years of real drought planning. And really, when you think about it, that's exactly what Agriculture Minister Bridget McKenzie has admitted to. 
And, of course, Paul, this is all happening in a week when the Reserve Bank has again cut interest rates to historic lows this time, I mean, to rates we've never seen before. That's right. It's it's the first time ever that they've dropped below 1%, a long way below the 3% emergency levels the Liberals used to scoff at during the global financial crisis in 2008. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg tried to assure the nation everything was under control. His first reaction to the rate cut was to urge the banks to pass it on in full. There is, and still is, a marked reluctance to do so. This has a lot to do with their need, of course, to attract depositors by not cutting the rates on offer to investors. There's also the risk here of another property bubble, which Frydenberg is blithely ignoring. And he's doing that because he's resisting calls to do more elsewhere to stimulate the economy. Is it then time for the government to announce more tax cuts? Are they on the table? Ross, we're sticking to our economic plan. That is a plan that has delivered more than 1.4 million new jobs. That is um, the tax cuts we took to the Australian people at the last election. That is the infrastructure plan that we took, and that will play through across the economy. Well, that plan boils down to waiting for the already paid tax cuts to somehow begin flowing into spending. They haven't yet. And to talk up the 10-year, $100 billion infrastructure spending. Well, Labor says much of this spending should be brought forward along with the next tranche of the tax cuts. But the other part of the plan, of course, is a budget surplus next year, which, as far as the government is concerned, will happen come hell or high water. And with all that, Paul, a week from now, will this Trump downer, Morrison, will all this stuff be a distant memory? Well, look, it depends. I mean, the uh, Trump White House leaks like a sieve, as does the State Department. And uh, don't be surprised if we get a transcript from the New York Times of the uh, Trump-Morrison phone call. That's where we'll find out just how upfront with us all uh, Morrison has been in that interview he gave to Sky. But there's no recording of the conversation as far as you're aware? Well, David, that's not information that I have available okay. to me. And I'll tell you why. Because it's not a matter that has ever been raised with me proactively as being a matter that has demanded the attention of the Prime Minister. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Bye. Join Richard Tognetti and the ACO for a bold and intrepid 2022. Featuring a live national concert season, their acclaimed on-demand film series ACO Studio Casts and exciting programs from their new home in Sydney's Walsh Bay. Subscriptions now on sale at aco.com.au. Andrew O'Hagan's latest Caledonian Road explores one man's epic fall from grace. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew to discuss this and the state of modern Britain. All that and more, wherever you listen. Elsewhere in the news, a gunman who fired shots in Western Sydney on Wednesday night has been identified as 32-year-old Daniel King. King began his shooting spree by firing at the home of a woman named Stacey Taylor, who is pregnant with his child. He then targeted two police stations before being shot dead. 
An anti-domestic violence charity, White Ribbon Australia, has shut down its operations and gone into voluntary liquidation. The Daily Telegraph revealed earlier this year that the organisation had slipped into the red by more than $840,000, according to its financial reports. In a statement, the charity said the decision was, quote, necessary following an analysis of the organisation's future sustainability. 7am is produced by Emile Klein, Ruby Schwartz and Atticus Basto with Michelle Mackler. Eric Jensen is our editor. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. Please consider subscribing to the show through your favourite podcast app or you can leave us a review if you listen on iTunes or Stitcher. It's a huge help to us. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Coolhass. See you next week.